0: Welcome to the Westminster Chapel podcast. For more information and to support our mission to London and beyond, please visit westminsterchapel.org.uk. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, or moaning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega It's my um, privilege and joy this morning to introduce to you Malcolm Kays. Uh, Malcolm, uh, if you don't know, he's part of the larger family of churches that were part of Commission, and he's a leader there. He, he's on the international leader t- leadership team and the UK hubs. Um, he is a spiritual father to us here at Chapel, and he's, um, he's been with Chapel and the elders for, for quite some time and leading us through all the different challenges all the different joys of of life as a church Uh, a leader a church leader in his own right it's just my privilege to to welcome him here uh, to speak on this last of our series the bible in 12 verses so um, please please welcome malcolm
1: thank you ray Uh, thank you for the welcome I think I've turned myself off mute, so it's up to somebody else. Okay, I'll just keep going. I've got a loud voice. I used to be a PE teacher, so I had to learn to kind of shout across the field, and what I learned not to shout was this, all the balls into me now, Uh, because generally one or two would take pot shots at me. So I learned not to shout that and to ask them just to put the balls down where they were. And we collect them in in a sensible way. So I'm a very pragmatic sort of guy. It's really good to be with you. And uh, I've been here before, before the pandemic hit us. And I've also served you online as well. There we are. Hallelujah. Uh, We thank God for the PA team, don't we? And they are supposed to be our best friends. Otherwise, they mute you at any opportunity where they disagree. So it's my privilege to be with you. And uh, pandemic has been a challenge, not just to our living, but also our church life as well. And uh, as Ray says, I serve other churches within the commission family of churches. Uh, I don't run any churches, I help them. I honor the eldership and the leadership that works there and we work with them to help them grow and develop. And I think for the churches I serve, Uh, and many others it's been a really challenging time for leaders They didn't really know what was happening, when it was going to end. They couldn't give answers. And one thing leaders like to do is to give answers and to give reasons and maybe to plan ahead. But they weren't able to do that. And also, we're still finding our way out of that into kind of renewed church life together. One good thing you've done during that period is to revamp your meeting space. It's brilliant. Well done for financing that and also for getting it done. And I'm sure this place and the cafe will serve you well, but also God's purpose as well, uh, also. And uh, none of the elders are here today, so I can say what I like. Uh, They've all abandoned. Uh, They do work hard, believe me. Uh, I do work with them and meet up with them. I remember one lady who said, my pastor is just like God. And they said, why is that? She says, well... Six days he's invisible and one day he's incomprehensible. (laughs) So you've come on the incomprehensible day uh, and maybe invisible for others. But Howard is actually away, serving a church I've been serving for about 30 years. I'm handing over some of my responsibilities now and Howard has kindly picked up. And he's this morning with a church in Sunbury, Open Door Church and he's preaching there. And that's part of our life together as commission. We send to, to serve one another, and we recognize people who have gifts like Howard who can not just teach but also help leaders and support them. So don't see his absence as a loss. See it as a game for the work of God and also as we work together. I led a church for 26 years in Woking, and I was out and about, and uh, it was not a loss to the church. Uh, that I was out and about. It was actually a good sense of us as a church feeling part of something bigger and serving something bigger. And it's not just Howard that will be serving something bigger. Many of you will be doing that as well. So we're looking today as the last in your series of the Bible in 12 verses. And I'm going to be looking at a new heaven and earth. These key verses summarize the biblical story of redemption. Uh, My verses uh, are found in the passage that was read to us. Verses 3 and 4 of Revelation 21. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more. For the former things have passed away. Revelation is the last book in the Bible. It's the revelation of the vision of John the Apostle. And he's trying to encourage Christians. And he does it in a kind of a weird weird way with visions and symbolism. And there's all sorts of different interpretations of the book of Revelation. Well, anyway, I'm I'm preaching on something that is beyond the seven churches, the seven seals, the seven trumpets, the seven plagues, and the seven triumphs. And I'm relieved to be doing that and not having to explain those to you. And these verses I've just read to you summarize and describe a new heaven and a new earth. When God's plan of salvation and redemption through Jesus Christ is complete and fulfilled hallelujah what a day that will be when we see jesus face to face so i think i've been asked to preach on this because i'm 72 and i'm probably closer to the afterlife than most of the other people who maybe preach and it's good for me to check up on these verses as i approach my final demise at the moment i'm feeling okay so you can relax with me, If I start feeling ill or weak, I'll give you a nod and I'll just go and uh, you can carry on from there. We know the story and we want to be biblical. That's why we preach from the Bible verses. The Bible is our authority. It's our place of hope. It's our place of truth and it's our place of direction as well. The story is when God created man, God and man and woman enjoyed a clear and clean Relationship. And this was lost when Adam and Eve disobeyed God, and fellowship with God was broken. And these verses here describe the context when all creation is renewed, and men and women are fully restored to God, those who have had faith in Jesus Christ and the work and person of Jesus Christ. So this follows on from the day of judgment at the great white throne. And Revelation 21 and 22 describes the eternal age when a new order is established and installed by God. The present creation, now subject to frustration, will then be renewed and fully rejuvenated and liberated. No more pollution, no more decay. If you and I enjoy God's creation now, and many of us do, it's amazing to be out and about and to see things, even a small child or an animal or the mountains or something amazing. We can sometimes just gasp in awe at the wonder of God's creation. Imagine then what a new heaven and a new earth will be like. How glorious will that be? I often think, what's heaven going to be like? For me, because I enjoy music. I enjoy all sorts of music. And and some music really touches me. It's beautiful. It touches my heart and my emotions. And I sometimes think this, and I don't think this is sinful. I I hope I remember these songs when I'm in heaven. Uh, But that's a little bit fleshly because anything that happens in heaven will just usurp everything I know here. And what I enjoy here. I mean, I was brought up in Liverpool, I was in my teens in the 60s, so I was brought up with the Beatles, probably the best music group ever, that's what I believe. Anyway, uh, and they broke new barriers and made new songs, they weren't always perfect in what they sung or they said or how they lived, but their music was amazing and I listened to their songs and I'm thinking, I wonder if this will be in heaven. And it's difficult for us sometimes to translate from what we like here, but I know this, When I'm a new person, on that day, in the new creation, it's going to be more glorious than anything I can experience here. And I look forward, I enjoy it today, but I'm looking forward to something new. The most beautiful things on earth will not be able to compare to what we will experience when we first see Jesus Christ, our Savior, face to face. And we enjoy the new heaven and the new earth that's a place he's been preparing for those who believe in him this new heaven and a new earth is a prepared place for prepared people there'll be no more division no more separation we will be together in harmony under the headship of the Lord Jesus Christ all biblical prophecy will be fulfilled And the righteous, those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life, that's what the Bible teaches, will be realizing the promise of a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. Pie in the sky. Do you know that expression? Pie in the sky. Some of you may not, but I remember it being used a long time ago. My father was a pastor in Liverpool, and he used to go out and Uh, go out and stand at the pier head and proclaim the gospel and have questions and argue with unbelievers. And that was a great phrase in the 60s, pie in the sky, because there was a song written in 1911 by a guy called Joe Hills. And uh, he was a Swedish-American guy. And he was mocking the Salvation Army and also mocking the Christian belief in heaven. And uh, part of his song was this, Long-haired preachers come out every night, try to tell you what's wrong and what's right. But when asked about something to eat, they will answer with voices so sweet. And they used to do it to, in the sweet by and by. I won't sing it to you. Uh, You will eat by and by in that glorious land above the sky. Work and pray, live on hay. You'll get pie in the sky when you die. It's a lie. One of the first protest songs in the early part of the 20th century was a protest song against the belief that we have of heaven. And you can understand some of the background of that. These people were labor activists, and life was difficult for them. And the gospel promotes hope for the future. It also promotes hope for this life as well. And we can be changed and know God's goodness and God's grace in our lives these days, and even God's joy as we go through difficulties. But some people would say, this, Malcolm, what you're preaching about is pie in the sky. Well, I want to tell you, the Bible teaches very clearly about heaven and hell. This is not irrelevant. It's not implausible. I would say this, it's inevitable. And please consider this. Most people in this world, maybe not so much in the Western culture, most people in this world believe in an afterlife. Many of us in the West can grow up to be cynical regarding heaven and hell. But I find it amazing that once mum dies, or dad dies, or a loved one dies, lots of people believe in something beyond death. It shows what the Bible teaches The Bible says this, God has set eternity in the human heart. There is something within us, and there are people who just won't believe it, but for most of us, we long to believe there is something more than this life. When loved ones die, we hope there is something nice for them beyond death. And I've noticed also an increasingly common phrase, People don't say that the person died. They now say, and I've been just the last few weeks, notice it a lot, they've passed. They've passed. Well, on what do they base that? They've passed where? How? Where to? There's a BBC program we used to watch quite regularly. Don't watch it so much now. It's called the Repair Shop. And in the Repair Shop, there's brilliant craftsmen and craftswomen Jay Blade, Stephen Fletcher, Susie Fletcher, Wilkirk, others, they restore articles from family histories. It's quite a good program. Items once precious to a deceased mum or dad or grandparents or another family member that are now in disrepair. And people bring them in to the repair shop. And uh, clocks, suitcases, toys, teddy bears, belts, all sorts of things are restored. And not just those articles are restored, memories are restored as well. As people remember their parents or grandparents, people who used to own these artifacts and so on. And most people who return to see these articles renewed, right, often are emotionally affected. If you watch the program, you'll see as they see it, as they unveil this restored thing, they'll, they'll tear up and they say, Excuse me. And you don't want to kind of criticize people in that state because it does affect them deeply. They've got a hope or they've got history or they've got brilliant memories of people who are now no longer with them. They're emotionally affected and they talk this way. My mum, who is looking down now, will love that. Right? And it's the way they talk. Oh, she will be pleased. He will be pleased. They will be loving what you restorers have done. They're looking on now. And I in no way want to be cynical or hard-hearted regarding the emotions of these folk. But I was asked this question. On what truths do they base these sentiments? I think we need to be sympathetic and careful. We do need to be good listeners. But it's very important that even though we know that God has set eternity in the human heart... We mustn't let beliefs about death and heaven be left to the vagaries and the fluctuations of our sentimental superstitions or hopes or desires and wishes. And what we have to share as Christians, we've got to share with love and grace and understanding and sympathy. But there is truth that we will need to share. And the Bible does not shrink from those truths. Jesus spoke about heaven and hell more than anyone else in Scripture. He was the one who loved people, who had time for people, who was affectionate towards the lost and the least and the lonely, yet he was straight down the line regarding those who would go to heaven and those who would not. There's been a survey, and the results have just been published in the last few days. It's in a few of the Christian magazines. It's called the Talking Jesus Survey. And they surveyed several thousand people that is supposed to represent the UK population. And it just uh, happened in uh, the results just come out last week. And this is what they found. 20% of the UK population believed Jesus was God. That's amazing, isn't it? If that is true. Now, you and I are probably thinking right now, that's not true. There's not one in five. But according to this survey... People believe that Jesus was God, 21 in 5. Listen to this, 45% believe in the resurrection. Isn't that amazing? Only 20% in Jesus as God, but 45% in the resurrection. Do you know what that says to me? And You could probably analyze it in different ways. God has placed eternity in people's hearts. They want to believe there is something beyond death. And they would like to believe that Jesus did rise from the dead because it gives them hope, not just for themselves, but also for relatives and so on. Scripture is our point of reference for this. Scripture and Christianity shines a light on these dark and deep matters of death and the afterlife. We know we cannot avoid or deny the reality of death. We can't ignore the deep pain and the grief of bereavement. We've gone through two years where death statistics have been on our news items in the media every day. How many people have died from COVID? We're now in the middle where there's a war in Ukraine. And I was talking to a young man in his 20s, a worship leader, a good young man of faith, and he said, Malcolm, the war in Ukraine has given me feelings of dread. I wonder whether this world is going to continue or not. He's not a faithless guy. He's not a timid guy. But these things happen. They make us understand how finite we are and how finite life is. On average, there were 6,500 people who will die every day. And the truth is this, war and pandemics do not increase the incidence of death in a generation. They just speed them up. Life is short. To be blunt with you right now, your inevitable death is relatively soon. Sorry for that. Well, that's why it's good to think about it. Decisions we make in this life will determine our eternal future. I'm 72. My life has swept by. I can remember being raised in Liverpool. I can then remember moving to the northeast. I can remember then moving down to a place called Bracknell and then to a place called Woking and so on. And remember these things. But 72 years has gone quickly like a weaver's shuttle. It just shoots across. And when you look back, you think, where did that decade go? And sometimes we waste decades of our life not making the right decisions, not coming to the right conclusions. Jesus taught very clearly about heaven and hell. The most famous verse in the Bible, John 3, 16 says, God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And Jesus said to the thief dying with him on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. There was hope even for that thief as he trusted in Jesus Christ. And these verses in Revelation 21 carry not just a description of our hope of heaven, but also a message For us all, we believers, we believe we have a glorious, eternal destination. Not because we deserve it, but because of what Jesus has done for us and our faith in Him. We do not believe that this here and now is all there is. Hallelujah. How sad. Because even for Christians, it can be a tough life and a difficult life. with suffering and persecution. For Christians, death is a doorway to our real home with God. And we're so grateful for God's love and grace shown through Jesus Christ. And he has opened the gates of heaven for us through his death and his resurrection. We believe that Jesus rose from the dead. So death is not the end. The Apostle Apostle Paul writes it down as part of his doctrine. If he didn't rise from the dead, our message and your faith is futile. And he believed to be absent from the body was to be present with the Lord. And this is the Christian message as we finish these 12 verses. A summary of the redemption of God, the love of God reaching out to a lost and fallen man to bring him back himself. It's done through Jesus Christ. And the victory of the cross is victory over sin and death and also Satan, the one who thought he held the power of death. And Christ's empty tomb is the birthplace of our belief. Death has been defeated. It is not the end. There is life eternal. And as Christians. We have hope for the future. As I just quoted, Paul said, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But he also said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. It would be wonderful to be with the Lord, but for me now is to live for Christ and to serve Him. The Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit that is given to us when we believe in Jesus Christ and confess Him as Lord, is a guarantee of our inheritance when we will be with Jesus face to face. Even the Old Testament faith heroes that we read about in Hebrews 11, they believed in God's promises for the future, and they motivated them to obedient and sacrificial lives. I am not a Christian because I want to be safe and not go to hell. I'm a Christian because I love God and all that he's provided for me in and through Jesus and I will respond to his grace by offering myself to him and that's reasonable for me to do that. Christianity, you will be safe, but it's not all about just being safe. We don't just cross a line and stay over there. There was a guy who complained that he kept falling out of bed And uh, he told his friend, and his friend said, I know what the problem is. Uh, So he said, what's the problem? He says, you stay too close to where you got in. And sometimes as believers, we can stay too close to where we got in. We want to be safe, right? We want to be on God's side, but sometimes we're not living a life of response. See, before we believed in Christ... Our good works, even our best works, were insufficient to justify us before a holy God. But we've trusted in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And we do believe we are not saved by our works, but we do believe our faithful obedience and our service in this life commends us to God and demonstrates a true work of His grace and love. Like the Apostle James said, if you have faith, where are the works? Jesus said, if you are attached to me, you will bear fruit. It will be evident. And to live our lives pleasing God and seeking him. You see, we're not just trying to be safe. We're trying to seek the kingdom of God. We're trying to serve his purposes on earth. We do that. In different ways, we do it well in some seasons of our life. Sometimes it's difficult for us to do it, but we're part of his family. And just like Howard today is away on family business, we're on family business in whatever we do. Serving the Lord and doing the best for our Heavenly Father. So, as I finish off, let's look at this glorious future a new heaven and a new earth. We're just given a glimpse. We're not given the full picture. Do you know why? Because it's beyond our dreams and our imagination. It says in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. So, we're told some things. The big thing is this, in these verses, God will be with his people. Hallelujah. God will be. We have something, deposit of God by the Holy Spirit. But we will be in God's presence. It's always what God wanted. It's what he had with Adam and Eve. And he wants that fellowship to be restored. We will be able to enjoy God's presence. We will be with him. To see Jesus face to face, I often think, and I'm not really a sentimental guy, I often think, what will it be like to see Jesus face to face? To see the beautiful one, the one who died on the cross for my sins. I will see him face to face, no more encumbrance Then I will know as I'm fully known. And all those things that were in part have gone, and something new has come for me. There will be intimacy. There will be fellowship together. In that place, in the new heaven and earth, we will sense His glory. We sing a lot about the glory of God. In fact, heaven is sometimes called glory. Why? Because God's presence is there. And when the Bible talks about glory, the word means weighty, heavy. We will, in the new heaven and the new earth, experience the magnificent weight of, of God's holiness and presence. And that won't be a heavy or burdensome thing. It will be a joy for us to know that and experience. We will experience His love, His perfection, His presence. Heaven is all about Him. And when we're in heaven, we will be glorified with God. We will have redeemed, immortal, and glorified bodies. And also in that place, God will be worshipped. We will participate in incredible, undiluted worship. And let me just tell you, that's not just singing songs. Much, much more than singing songs. That's what we know worship is. We sing songs and sometimes we call that worship. But worship is what you bring to God in your whole life. Not just a few songs to sing, although those songs help us. They, they put into words our hopes and our delight and our praise and our thanksgiving and our declarations. But God will be worshipped. We will enjoy a lifestyle constantly appreciating the goodness of God and the glory of our Saviour, the Lamb of God. The heavenly hosts will be there. They'll be doing their bit in praise and worship. Angels worshipping God, serving God, and serving His people as well. The next thing I notice is the church will be with her Savior. When it talks about the holy city coming down, the new Jerusalem, it's very clear it's talking about the bride, the church. It's not the old Jerusalem, it's a new Jerusalem. And that comes down. And the bride, the church now purified, hallelujah, now beautifully dressed for her husband will be ready for that wedding feast. The church, radiant, without spot or wrinkle. I deal with lots of churches and I can tell you there's lots of spots and lots of wrinkles because there's spots and wrinkles in me too. But one day the church will come as a bride purified, clean, to meet with her bridegroom. Hallelujah. No longer marginalized, no longer persecuted, but honored and presenting herself to the King of Kings, her bridegroom. The most beautiful thing for the bride to see won't be a renewed creation, but it will be the bridegroom. I've conducted many, many weddings. I have two daughters. I walk my two daughters down an aisle towards their wedding. I want to tell you this. When a bridegroom comes in, she's not looking to see if the flowers are in place. She's looking to see the bridegroom. And I've stood at the front of weddings where the dad has brought the wife, the bride down, and the bridegroom is there, and he can't help it but look out for the beautiful bride that he is going to marry. And she can't help, as she's walking down, even though it might be really emotional, might be some favorite music on. I tell you, it's incidental to the fact that the bride is going to be with the bridegroom. And she's captivated by him. And it's been my joy as a pastor to, to officiate at many where you see the joy of that coming together. That's what it's going to be like for us. The church, those redeemed from every tribe, language, people, group, and nation will be there in its glory. The Bible also tells us what won't be there. In fact, it tells us more about what won't be there than the detail of what will be there. There will be no tears. If you like a good cry, get it out of your system soon. There'll be no more death. No more mourning. No more separation. It says there'll be no sea. That's almost symbolic of no more separation. There'll be no more crying. No more pain. Sin will not bother us anymore. It says there's no hunger and there's no thirst. It also says there's no sun or moon for the glory of God gives light and the Lamb is its lamp. So there'll be no night there at all. There's also no temple. The Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. It says in verse 22 of Revelation 21. That's brilliant. No religion. No religion. It'll be relationship and just loving and serving the Lord. Companionship. No marriage. No cheering. I said that about now. Okay. No marriage. We will be male and female, I believe. That's how God made us. We'll be recognizable, but we'll also be fulfilled. No need for a partner or a spouse. And also, there'll be no conclusion. This will go on forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And you know, when I start saying those words, my mind starts to spin. I just cannot take it in. But I try and measure time these days by days and years. We won't be doing that there. I want to tell you this it won't be tedious. It won't be tedious. It'll be glorious. A thousand years is like a day in God's sight and God's economy. It'll be wonderful. We need to avoid cartoon caricatures, people on clouds with harps. We'll worship and serve the Lord. We will reign with Him. We'll have an embodied existence. I think we'll be involved in enjoyable, productive activity, like it was before the curse, when God had made Adam and Eve and said, listen, cultivate, care for what you've got. I believe there'll be things for us to do, and we'll be fruitful in that. But there's also a message in this picture. And the message is a sober one. It tells us who won't be there. Unbelievers won't be there. They will be in another place. So not everyone will be there. And that's why it's so important for us, even as you have your blessed program and teaching, for us to be sharers of good news. Jesus didn't come to condemn, but to save. We're looking to reach out with the goodness and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's important for us to share the good news. Why? Because of the bad news. I have some very good friends and relatives who are not yet believers. That makes me very sad. I want them to come to know Jesus. I don't want to kind of grab hold of them and threaten them with hell. I want to win them with love and grace and being a good example that I may be able to, or someone else may be able to sow a seed and find good soil for the gospel. The Bible says in Mark 16, Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. This bad news should be our motivation to be compassionate to those around us. Not judgmental, not condemning people, but compassion in action, in obedience, compassionate in sharing the gospel with others. Hebrews 9 tells us it's appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. And there's a part in Galatians, and I'm not apologizing for reading this scripture out to you. It's good for you to receive scripture. That's our authority. It says this in Galatians 6 Don't be deceived God can't be mocked or fooled A man reaps what he sows If you live to please the flesh yourself from the flesh you will reap destruction If you live to please the Holy Spirit from the Spirit you will reap life eternal Keep going, believers Do good And you'll reap a harvest if you don't give up. The last verses in the Bible have an invite. They have a prayer. The prayer is, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. Jesus has promised to return. We're expecting and waiting for his second advent, the second coming of Jesus. And he says, the spirit and the bride say, the church, they say, come, Lord For when Jesus will return in glory, this is our hope, but it's also our prayer. And when Christ returns, it will be sudden. It will be too sudden for final adjustments. And all will see and acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord. His coming will be decisive and also divisive. He'll come with power and great glory. I hope you're ready. I hope you're ready to meet your God and to meet your Savior. Included in the last verses of the Bible, there's an invite. It says this, Come, let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life. This is salvation. Something that satisfies you and replenishes you. Let him come. And take the free gift of the water of life. I want to say, God reaches out to all of us today. Every one of us. We can think about the future, but actually God wants us to be right with Him now. Maybe today you're thirsty to know the free gift of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. To know forgiveness through Jesus. To be right with God. Not just to be safe, that you will go to heaven rather than hell, but to, in faith in Jesus, to become a new person, changed and renewed by the Holy Spirit with purpose, with hope for this life and for eternal life. If you're a person today that hasn't made that step of faith in Jesus and you want to do, I I want to encourage you. Uh, Ray might say more about this later on, but I want to encourage you to talk to someone today. Just talk to someone, maybe someone who's invited you, maybe someone you know who's part of the church, maybe one of the leaders here. Talk to people and ask them just to help you to know the steps forward that you can take. I'm going to finish by reading another portion of Scripture to you. I know you can't disagree with it because it's Scripture. So let's stand together. This is what peter says in his second epistle and i want you to receive it as a good word as a challenge and even as a benediction even though the meeting's carrying on benediction means a good word for you will you receive this let me read it to you but the day of the lord will come like a thief the heavens will disappear with a roar the elements "...will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire, and the elements will melt in the heat." But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. So then, dear friends, I'm smiling. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Mighty God, we thank you You are the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. We thank you that you invite us to be at peace with you, not to do our own thing, to ignore you, to rebel against you. You're a good God. And when we find you, we find home. We find purpose. We find love and grace and forgiveness. All demonstrated and all available because of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you for this hope that we have of a new heaven and a new earth. But we pray, Lord, that that hope of that future blessing with you, presence with you, Lord, it will motivate us today to to live good lives, to be a blessing to those around us. And I pray, even though, Lord, we don't affrighten people to believe in you, I pray, Lord, even the sober things we've had to mention in looking at this passage, I pray your Spirit will work in people's hearts that people even today here might put their trust in you, Lord Jesus, and come to know not just heaven, but hope and grace and love and the presence of your Spirit in their lives today. Amen.